Hello, and welcome to a special Dream Lab series of the Price Lab podcast. For this episode, I spoke with Alex Heal, the digital scholarship librarian at Columbia University, about minimal computing. Minimal computing is an umbrella term to describe a broad range of digital practices that simplify the technology involved in a project in order to lower the maintenance costs while also providing greater access to digital content. Both of these are particularly important when resources and bandwidth are limited. One production note on this episode. I caught up with Alex in his apartment in New York over Zoom on May 5th. Like many of us, Alex was working from home, but he was also playing stay-at-home dad as well as partner to a New York City healthcare professional at the height of the city's struggle with the pandemic. You may hear some ambient noise every now and then, and I think that's a really good reminder of the material reality under which we produce this podcast. to just give you the chance to talk about what drew you to the material that you want to cover in this course and you know why you wanted to teach the course in the first place. That is a great question. It goes to the heart of why we created the tool WAX, why we have been talking about minimal computing for such a long time. In the end, all these things we do, we do them because we want to help others be able to to save money, to make their work accessible to a larger group of people. And the best technique we, we know of how to spread this knowledge is teaching. Why this knowledge in particular? Why choose to teach minimal computing and, and WAX, for example, which is an instance of that kind of thinking? I gave you some answers already. Learn how to do things in a, in a more accessible way, in a way that we can control more, in a way that reduces the cost of electricity and computation. This kind of knowledge uh, is important. Those who work in the Global South or for the Global South or with the Global South in mind, including that Global South that exists right here in the geographical Global North, those who work across different environments, digital environments, economical environments. One of the beautiful things about these minimal computing approaches is that it enables us to do work within our rich libraries that was not possible. WAX in itself is a set of tools that can be used to help produce a digital exhibit of primary sources with the advent of the internet. We started doing online exhibits. What we do in these exhibits is, of course, highlight cultural artifacts. We usually write a narrative around these artifacts. Why are they important? What lessons do we learn from them? Now, other tools have been around that have helped people do this, like Omega, Scalar, and others. When we set out to create WAX, we set out to create it with a view to creating a workflow that would work within any library. We wanted to reduce the cost of maintenance that depend on a on a database running on a server that then will require a sysadmin or a DevOps employee to update for security patches for software. And this is invisible labor that was always there and that was, in a sense, putting libraries in an uncomfortable spot where they had to say no a lot to not only faculty and students, but even within the library itself to librarians who wanted to do these kinds of exhibits. With WAX, one of the things we worked on was reducing those costs that lead to that invisible labor by eliminating the, the database, where you could 
actually make a project that can exist both in areas of good internet or no internet at all. I know it sounds too good to be true that something that does such a good job, alas, it is true. So you, you were part of the team, kind of small team, I think, who actually built Wax. And I wanted to give you the chance to talk a little bit about who were you working with on that project and, and how did that go? So let's be clear for your audience. Most of Wax was built by Mary Nair, who taught this class with me last year. She is brilliant, a phenomenal digital humanist. When we taught the class that led to the project Style Revolution, which is the first wax site that was produced as a collaboration between faculty, librarians, and students. And we learned an enormous amount as we were doing this with the students, what was working, what was not working, testing out you know, questions of bandwidth, uh, complexity, etc. We teach ourselves as much as we teach others whenever we teach. Probably should have got you to explain or give a quick definition of minimal computing generally and WAX specifically. Many people in the international arena that were having this conversation, we came up with this language. It says minimal computing refers to computing done under some set of significant constraints of hardware, software, education, network capacity, power, or other factors. If this is poetry, it's like uh, we're being asked to write a sonnet and it must have like four, four and three, three lines. And this is but also the beauty of minimal computing. It forces you to think poetically about labor conditions, social relations, hardware and infrastructure. It asks you to think about the whole. The way that I've always interpreted this is that we have to take into consideration the cost of any one of these digital projects that we make. Let me outline quickly some of the multiple costs we want to consider and how minimal computing is the attempt at trying to reduce computation in order to ameliorate these costs. So there's the cost of bandwidth. Not everybody has the same bandwidth around the world to access our project. Some people are operating in 2G, some people are operating in 4G. In many places of the world, you still have to buy those cards for a limited use, like you can only use a certain amount of megabytes per month. So that's a cost. There's the cost of the environment of all the computation we're doing, all these computers, all these server farms running. But it can become problematic, for example, when you have a Native American community that must partner with a corporation in order to get a digital archive up and running. Or when an American library wants to partner with a library in the Caribbean, the library in the Caribbean must give over some control to the American library and as issues of colonialism that become part of the conversation. Other costs are the invisible labor. We do these wonderful projects. Sometimes we forget about the, the sysadmin who must do updates and patches and who must keep those servers alive. There are more costs to think about here, like the cost of learning these things, the cost of those who don't even have access to the internet. Minimal computing tries to figure out ways in which you are reducing as much as possible by reducing the amount of computation. And that's tricky. There's not just a technical explanation for this, but there's a philosophical underpinning. Minimal computing, as you use it, is kind of part of your social justice practice. I wonder if you could 
maybe speak to that a little bit. Yeah, this kind of thinking about the social relations that are implied by the technology and the tools we create and use has a very complex relationship to social justice. For example, when you post the question, what should be our relationship to corporate tools and software? I use things like Google Sheets, for example, which is can be used in a workflow that uh, uses Wax. Google Sheets created a good tool for us to work as a team in adding data to a spreadsheet. A spreadsheet is basically the file that we need in order to generate all the pages of the exhibit. Every row of the spreadsheet is a web page on a WAX site with one cultural artifact. If we have 150 cultural artifacts, it's easier to input the data into a spreadsheet. We're using it because it is not our permanent solution. It is uh, sort of kind of the Robin Hood philosophy of using corporate tech that is sucking away the data. But at the same time, for example, you see how much good social justice work can be done on social media platforms like Twitter. And you don't want to tell anybody who is doing great activism on social media, hey, why are you using this corporate tool? Even that that's not a good place to steward your data. But the priority there is different. The priority there is the communication. It is not a vehicle for data injury. It is a vehicle for also having a public conversation. But it's fraud. It's fraud because then later you you get some scholars, themselves activists, who want to now have access to the data. And all of a sudden now we encounter a problem. So as a librarian, for me, where main responsibility comes in through the, through the cultural artifacts that we steward. And that's where I don't think uh, corporate should have its hands on. Once the data entry is done, we take it out and move on with our lives. Minimal computing does not have a clearly defined relationship to social justice, but I do think that the exercises that minimal computing invites you to participate in do allow you to make yourself a more efficient actor, an efficient operator in social justice environments. Just listening to you talk, it reminded me of kind of two things that seem to be happening in libraries lately. One would be like the collections as data thing that I've been for better or worse part of for a few years. And this conversation around projects as like data first projects, does minimal computing speak to those kinds of things? I think yes and no. Minimal computing of my variety invites you to think about cost. And its priority is to create better working conditions, to create more equitable access, to help us see beyond homogeneity and see the diversity around us, to help us keep in mind our planetary ills and contribute in small but meaningful ways to the solution. And these are the main concerns of minimal computing I think are slightly different than the main concerns of collections as data. It is trying to create the flow of usable data within libraries. To reframe the way you look at things like digitization of manuscripts in the, in the library. Now, that is not to say that I could bring a minimal computing aesthetic or framework to try to see how to address the concerns of collections as data. And maybe my solutions to the aspirations and concerns of collections and data would be different than the ones that people have come up with. I have already seen many libraries trying to create some centralized repository for data, which is completely fool's gold. And I can see how if 
I were, if I wanted to pay attention to this, and like in my team, we wanted to start addressing this from a minimal computing perspective, the solution to the so-called data problem would be very different than a centralized repository. In fact, I wanted to do an exercise. I wanted to use Docs Now. Uh, for your listeners, this is a set of tools that was developed at the University of Maryland that allows you to do more with social media data and as part of their community archives initiatives. The work of Tonisha Taylor, one of the HBCUs in Texas that has been collecting uh, hashtags that are important in Black Twitter, Black Lives Matter, Ferguson, etc. right? So she has all of these hashtags collected using the taxes. It's a kind of simple mechanism by which you can just harvest these things after the fact. You have to decide when you're going to start collecting them. But once you do, you start them bringing them. It's not a complete solution, but it captures a good sample. Now, one of the things I wanted to do was actually just make a, a small bibliography where you could download all these data sets that's common separated values in a zip file. So just one page in which you could simply just have access to the data. All of this would do was just create a catalog. And this was going to be my minimal computing contribution to the world of data. We're trying to build all this complex solution and we forget about the low-hanging fruit. Like, can we just make the data accessible in just one place really quick? Thanks, Alex. It's been great talking with you. This special Dream Lab series of the Price Lab podcast was produced by Sarah Malinsky, program manager of the Price Lab, with additional editing and production by Penn senior Kia Da Silva and students from the Narrative and Listening in the Digital Age class at Penn, including Emmett Foley, Alexis Messino, and Kelsey Gibbons. We also want to thank Julie Beth Napolin and Clay Coleman for their expert advice, as well as all the Dream Lab instructors who were so generous with their time. This podcast was made possible with support from the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation.